Welcome, everybody, to episode 27 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Stein, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have the man who apparently doesn't love everything. Uh, damn right I don't. I'm Stephen Myrick, and I'm Talos on the boards, and I hate Daggerdale. <laughs> and, of course, we have uh, – I'm going to call you associate editor of Debauchery. I didn't do any debauchery, though. I don't – Are you You're in are Vegas. You saying that? Yeah, but I live I, – I used to live here. Like it's – do you know what I did last night? I went and I looked at YouTube videos with my friends. Like You went that, to a house that, of ill refute. Ill refute? My Damn friend it. Mike's house? What? <laughs> uh, this uh, is uh, John McCarroll, executive editor. All right. Uh, so first off, I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July weekend. Hopefully everybody had a safe and happy holiday. And, of course, we have to give a special shout-out to – I think he just turned 21, guys. Our uh, resident newsman who is still in Japan, Zach Pinchik. Uh, he's legal now, ladies. Uh, he's legal, ladies, although he was already legal in Japan. Well, now he's legal to drink So in the United States, in the good old U.S. of A. So, Zach, looking forward to having you back on the podcast. We miss you and your awesome news and your ability to – keep us on track so with that said i think it's time to talk about a major release that uh just came out what two weeks ago now uh dungeon siege 3 and i know i reviewed the game and i'm waiting for steven to finish so he can write his review of the game so steven why don't you tell us a little bit about dungeon siege 3 tell us about the wonderful magical land of ebb 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 all right for starters ebb is a very funny name Sorry, I couldn't resist. No, um, it's pretty much uh, Dungeon Siege was that series that started back uh, around Diablo 2's time, and it was pretty much a direct competitor. And I mean, I never liked it as much, but I know it did have a following. And then Dungeon Siege 2 was bigger, better, more complex. Um, and I actually really liked that game. I finished that. And this new one is kind of, they went with a different, they went in a completely different direction with it. Rather than trying to make, you know, the rival apparent to Diablo 3, which would have been stupid to do anyway. Um, they've, they've tried to basically create, you know, a, a really strong local multiplayer kind of game. You know, you sit down on the couch with, you know, some friends and you play through it, you know, kind of like uh, like Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance or Champions of Norath back on PS2. Yeah, it, it it's clear to me at the very least that that was their blueprint, you know, um... Dungeon Siege 3 is not done by gas-powered games. It's done by Obsidian. And it's it's 100% apparent that their goal was not to make a PC-style hack and slash, but to make Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 3. Yes, and I think I think Rob will agree with me that they are, they are successful in creating a couch co-op experience that's a lot of fun. Um, I, I've been telling people a lot that I think it plays like Second and Setsu 3 or like the old Secret of Mana games you know, with a little bit more of like a randomized loot system. But for me, that's what I feel like I'm playing. And that's why I think I enjoy it. Cause it reminds me of those games that I use, you know, multiplayer co-op, small scale RPGs that are just, you know, run around, kill some bad guys, save the town. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it definitely fits into that Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance uh, genre. And I think as a console couch co-op game, the game is a lot of fun and, I think it's perfectly fine for them to create that sort of game in today's age. I mean, we don't really see a lot of couch co-op anymore. I remember, like, um, the last example I can really think of of where I just sat there scratching my head that the game didn't have couch co-op was something like Burnout Paradise. Because I was sitting there going, wow, this game's a lot of fun. Which, I want to bring, like, 
they 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 eventually patched single console play right but it's like past the controller which is which is cool but like i really wanted to play that game split screen i really wanted to play that game with my buddies in the dorm like i really wanted to do that and i think we kind of got away with that with uh games in the past couple years and certain games like even though i hate it Resident Evil 5 kind of had the split-screen multiplayer. Resistance has had split-screen multiplayer. So, And, of course, Halo with you know playing four-player, uh, now single-player. That sort of couch co-op, I think, is a really, really good thing to have in the game. Now, before we start – before I start bringing up my problems with the game, I think special mention has to be given to the fact that Dungeon Siege 3's combat is very, very different from a lot of other hack and slashes. This game is much more action oriented, and it feels almost like Diablo or Devil May Cry at times with the combos and with your ability use. I mean, did you guys feel the same way about that? I wouldn't go as far as to say Devil May Cry um, because that it, it's it's definitely it definitely feels like an RPG. Um, but I do think that the the whole flow of combat is very different. Diablo, it's Holy crap, click, 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 kill everything. Never retreat, kill everything. Whereas in this, I'm playing as Reinhardt, who, uh, for people who aren't informed, uh, his melee attack is this lightning gauntlet that, you know, he punches with lightning. And then his ranged attack are these, like, he basically shoots, like, a, a wave of energy at people from far away. And his dodge move is a really cool-looking teleport. And I find that if I run up and just start trying to, you know, mash the button and punch people in the face, I'm dead within seconds. But... What I end up doing is, you know, I'll pop out, I'll punch a couple of times, you know, then I'll teleport away and I'll, you know, I'll fire, you know, my long range power attack and then I'll teleport in close and get a couple of hits in. And then, you know, I'll teleport away with one of my special attacks and, you know, you're, you're moving around a lot and you're trying to actually avoid being hit. And I find myself actually looking at the enemies to say, okay, that guy's coming up to hit me. I'm going to block. So I recharge some focus, you know, and, you know, without a potion, you know, if I want to heal, you have to use. Whenever every character has a healing move where they basically heal slowly over time. So it's in your interest to bounce around and avoid attacks as opposed to just soaking them up and, you know, mashing on the one key to get potions. And I think it works really well because I feel like I'm more engaged in the combat and I'm really satisfied when I win because, you know, Diablo, you're satisfied when you kill somebody because tons of loot pops out and you totally are awesome. Whereas in this, when you win a boss fight and, you know, I guess at this point because I am... John had an excellent quote, which is that I play everything on, you know, hard difficulty. And if you're not on that, you're not playing Uh, (laughs) on the hard difficulty. You die like instantaneously if you get caught by a boss. And so when you win, it's really satisfying because you feel like it was your skill that got you there. Not I had 30 potions in my belt. See, I, I, I agree with Steven here. Like I said, I wouldn't take it as far as, as like a God of war because I don't think it's that, that intense, but I, I would say that it's almost like playing a MOBA, uh, you know, like a, a, dota or a league of legends or heroes of new earth where you have that that fine control over your single character and they you know you have several abilities at your command and it's how you use those abilities not necessarily what your stats are now your stats do help uh we were talking a little bit before we started how uh, I if you build yourself incorrectly in this game, and the game never does a good job of telling you what the statistics on your equipment mean, um, you can kind of screw yourself over. I didn't have any kind of power on my special abilities until I was like level 8 or 9 because I wasn't building with will because I didn't know what will was. And once I started building with will, it was like, oh, my special heart-seeking ability for my gun 
instead of doing less damage than a regular attack, it's now doing five times the amount. It really is an interesting combat system. I mean, it, you have to block. I mean, I was playing as Lucas. I was playing as the uh, melee-oriented character, and I had to block and roll and be very careful, like Stephen was saying, to avoid getting killed. And that was, you know, kind of a revelation for me when I was playing this game. When you start playing a, a dungeon hack game, you think that it's going to be like Diablo. You think it's going to be like Torchlight, where it's just kill, 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 kill. It's all about damage outpoint, uh, output. It's all about DPS, damage per second. But with Dungeon Siege 3, it is very much a skill-based game, and I think that's awesome. Like that, I had, I had no problem with that. I found the combat to be, you know, it had a nice flow. Everything felt like it was all skill-based. If I died, for the most part, there's one really obnoxious boss in the game, but like, for the most part, if I died, it was my own fault. And I, I really... Go ahead, go ahead. I, I agree with that, because, you know, I'm playing a co-op with my girlfriend, and she's playing as Katarina, the gun chick, who has two pistols up close and a rifle at long range. And for the most part, our strategy, we, you know, we actually like formulate strategies because we'll be fighting a boss and I'll say, okay, the boss is going to chase me because I'm the melee character. He's going to come after me. I want you to run, run circles around him and just keep blasting him. And then when he turns to hit you, I'm going to heal a little bit and then I'm going to start griefing him with attacks. And I feel like, you know, we're actually attempting to strategize as opposed to me just saying, all right, run up and hit him. Yeah. If, if you were playing, you know, I, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance or something like that. It's how many times can we hit this guy in the next 30 seconds? Yeah. Right. And I think that's awesome. And what's also cool is that they have this um, – the game is very resource-heavy, which kind of surprised me. You have your standard health bar, and then you have what's called a focus meter, which is basically uh, mana. And you use abilities, and uh, we'll get to the limited ability use here in a second. But, like, you use uh, your focus attacks – and that drains your focus meter, drains your mana, and then you build that focus meter back up by performing regular attacks, regular combos. Then you have ability points that apply buffs to your character, or you can use those abilities to empower your focused attacks. So there's there's this really cool give and take of, like, there's an incentive for you to jump into combat to do as much damage as possible, and it kind of keeps this nice flow going and i really liked it there there were moments where i was really frustrated playing a melee character if you found yourself with limited health and limited focus and no ability points you were basically screwed and just kind of hoping that your ai buddy or your partner would help you out of the situation but for the most part i thought the combat worked very very well and there was very there was rarely a point where i felt hopelessly screwed i felt like i knew what i needed to do to build up the other two resources when one was getting overpowered when one was getting overbalanced i agree yeah go ahead john oh no so like i i found it like i was playing as katarina and I, I guess I had an easier experience with it than everyone else because I, I'm I'm playing it single player and all I would do is I would take Lucas as my my ally now and the game was really really difficult at the beginning when you're a Katarina because you're not incredibly powerful and your ranged attacks are your primary attacks so I at the very beginning of the game you have to fight all these little like lizard creatures that a fisherman tells oh you my. to kill. God, I got mauled on that part. Yeah, and I had to do that like nine or ten times with Katarina. And eventually I just had to go and I had to kite them one by one and take them away from the group. Yeah, that part was horrible. I, I went back to that part like after I leveled up a little bit. I went back to it and I had an AI partner and we cleared it out in like two seconds. 
I mean, is, it, is that the the are we talking about the side quest where you had to go and fight the evil fish man? Yep. Yes. Because we got to that and it was almost funny how quickly we got stomped. Because yeah. Lacey was standing back. Uh, I told her, I said, all right, stand, you know, in the, there's like, it's this little circular island with one entry point. I said, you stand in the entry point and shoot him with the gun, and I'll run circles around him and do that. So what happens is, first of all, the game teleported her forward as soon as the, the, the battle began. And they ran up and instantaneously killed us. Yeah, not fun. There's... I mean, I got hit, and my health literally one shot completely destroyed me. There's a... like, holy crap. There's also a couple other things that just it, it irritated me playing a melee character. Like some, as you get close to the end of the game, some of the enemies put out this damaging aura. Like if you enter into their circle, you'll take okay. a massive amount of damage. And when you're playing a melee character, that's kind of obnoxious. Like uh, I'm running I up to this guy. I have like 1,300 hit points, and every second I take 300 hit points of damage. That's yeah. stupid. Like that, that those were moments where I had to rely on my AI partner, and she's you know dumber than a sack of hammers and getting me killed. And Our hammers particularly noteworthy. For yes, their... they are. Uh, it again, very rarely was that a problem. And of course, you know, even in Diablo two, if you're playing as like a sorceress, you'll run into situations where you you're fighting somebody that's like immune to ice, and you're an ice sorceress, and it's like, oh, well, that sucks. Like, there are moments like that in Dungeon Siege 3 that don't kill the game. It, it is, like, a minor frustration. But overall, I really, really liked the combat. I found it fun. I found it engaging. I did, it wasn't mindless. You really have to be on your toes at times. You know, and, and it's kind of surprising. Like, I, I know that when people saw it at, like, PAX, and, when it, and they were like, oh, I don't like this very much. And I think it's because they didn't understand the difference in the combat. Yeah. yeah, it's not meant to be. This is not a follow-up to Dungeon Siege 2. This is a different game. Yeah, it's not Diablo. I mean, it, it really isn't. Diablo is all about, like, you're just beating the crap out of everything and doing massive damage and kind of controlling a crowd. And with Dungeon Siege, it really is more about, like, making sure that you move around. Like, I'm rolling around a boss like I'm Kratos, you know, attacking him from behind and, you know, making yeah, sure that really, I position. Because of the, the location and... Like, I fought a giant spider, and I found myself actively trying to get behind him so I could hit him, because in the time it took him to turn around, I could actually avoid getting hit. Yeah, and I think those moments are when Dungeon Siege 3 is really, really awesome. And I, I'm sitting there playing, and I'm like, this is a unique take on a dungeon hack. It is very console-oriented. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. If oh, yeah. you, if oh, you no. this is a PC RPG, you're wrong. It's, it's just – it's not – don't go into it expecting that. Yeah, because- it's not a PC RPG, and if you're going to play this game on PC, make sure that you invest in a controller, because this game is it's unplayable on PC in its current well, form. Yeah, they, Obsidian is patching it. Yes. Um, we, we should make note, all three of us played the games on different platforms. I played it on 360, Steven played it on PS3, and Rob played it on PC. Yeah, and on PC it runs great. Like, I've seen comparisons with PS3 and Xbox 360. On a modest piece of hardware, I mean, again, my computer is pretty beastly, but like on a modest computer, this game runs silky smooth, 60 frames per second, and it looks really, really nice. Though you will have to turn the gamma up quite a bit because this game is dark on PS3. Dark, 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 dark. You mean PC? Yeah, PC, sorry. Yeah, on PC, this game is dark. (laughs) 
Rob was talking to us about this. He's like, I can't see anything. And Steven and I didn't know what he was talking about because there are no gamma issues on the consoles. Yeah. Yeah, The console says, you know, right when you start the game, it goes, hey, adjust your brightness, bro. Yeah, I adjusted the brightness on the game when it started, and that was too dark. I had to put that gamma level up like four levels. And then I was like, oh, okay, I can see everything now. This is cool. So, But uh, this is a console-oriented game right down to the abilities. I mean, each ability is mapped to a face button on the controller. And so the skill use is fairly limited, but every skill makes sense. You know, as Lucas, the melee character, you have a skill that makes you, you know, charge into enemies really fast and hit them. You also have abilities that give you uh, defensive buffs. I mean, everything in this game has a purpose. Also, but I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, sure. I'm going to agree with, your, with the abilities, too. There aren't a huge number of them, but they all have a dra- dramatic effect. When you level up, especially when you get new moves, I mean, it almost changes the way you play your character. Yeah. I and mean, I, Reinhardt gets a move, I think, at level 10, where he, you can teleport him to anywhere on the screen, and then he creates a clone of himself. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. I guess it's a decoy. But then you find out that clone runs super fast and can fight as well as you can. So it's essential you've created a second party member. So it makes meleeing for Reinhardt way more viable because suddenly there's another dude taking damage, and you can double-team people and just destroy them. And it, yeah. I never could have done that before I got that move. It's a very nice change of pace to actually have your abilities matter. You know, I playing games like uh, Star Ocean, you know, a, a Japanese, well, not a dungeon hack, but eat and you're like, you learn this new move, but it's not as good as any of the other moves that you have. So you're never going to use it. Yeah, I mean, the, the abilities are good. Uh, don't get me wrong. It is. Uh, I have two main problems with the abilities, but I will talk it up again. Each ability serves a purpose, and I think that's awesome. But the ability selection is fairly limited, and by about the halfway point, I had all the abilities available in the game. And, and so I was – like choosing them so much as you're just saying, am I going to get this one now or in 20 minutes? Right, and so – I was getting a little bored of the combat by the end of the game because nothing new had happened. And then I think this game also falls into the same trap. And I I bring this up a lot, but especially with these dungeon hack games, with these loot games, I'm seeing so many fall into the same trap. And I'm hopeful that Diablo 3 doesn't do it, where most of your level ups are increasing statistics instead of increasing abilities or making abilities new and fresh. So it's like, okay, all of a sudden I'm regenerating health at 19 hit points per second instead of 17. Yeah. And that, that to me is just like whoop-de-doo. Like, I don't care. Yeah, every single one of your... Uh... Your like because you get skill points that you can distribute into your different abilities based on what you use. Actually, but, I found that pretty cool too. Yeah, but what sucks is all of them are, are percentage-based. For the most yeah, part, it's like, OK, I'm going to be more powerful here. It's not like, well, but you know, some of them like I know for Katarina or not Katarina uh, and Jolly, you know, it percentage for stun where they do actually add something to the ability. But it's not like, oh, yeah, your ability does something completely different now. Yeah, it's yeah, like, if, like, you know, I get a move where a little trap appears on the ground. I can get a you know, I can buff it so that it slows enemies down, but it doesn't physically change the way the ability works. I still just drop it when there's a crowd of dudes. Right. And I think especially now with, I I keep bringing it up, but let's be honest here. I mean, the 500 pound elephant in the room with Dungeon Siege 3 is Diablo 3, like the looming Diablo 3. See, and and you know what? We we had this conversation before and I still disagree. (sighs) How can you disagree? It's another loot game. This is, I don't uh, think, 
I think that Obsidian was fully aware that Diablo 3, there's no way that they can compete with it. This game I, is not in any way, and I, I'll stick by this, is not attempting to compete with that game in any way. I don't think it's attending. I don't think it's attempting to compete with it, but I think it is attempting to build off of the success that's come with dungeon hack games in recent years. I mean, Torchlight, the announcement of Diablo 3, uh, people have a renewed interest in this genre. But, but well, I th- yeah, but but I still don't think that it's, especially in the console world where it's as popular as it was six years ago. Sure, sure. But I, the point I was trying to make is that it's hard to look at something like we're talking about where most of the level ups are affecting statistics in Dungeon Siege 3 and then to see the rune system that's going to be used in Diablo 3 and how it fundamentally changes an ability. Like instead of shooting out like a single or like three toads, you then shoot out a rain of toads or a giant toad that eats things like that there's that you know that fun with the abilities with the the changing with the abilities and i think especially with uh dungeons each three and borderlands i started to get really bored by just wow i leveled up okay that's cool i get more health and whatnot and now my statistics are two percent instead of one percent see and i disagree borderlands i don't think was about progression via skills it was about progression via loot Right, and the skill, and that's where I think Borderlands really broke was that the the skills were practically useless. I mean, they they didn't matter. Like, I don't care about them. That's not necessarily true because they can be made very, very powerful. It's just if you choose to ignore them, which is totally viable, they're pointless. Right, and I I think that Dungeon Siege Three strikes a much better balance between loot and uh, and skill use, and I think that's great. Again, I'm not saying that Dungeon Siege Three is a bad game. I'm just saying that like. I would have liked to have seen the abilities fleshed out a little bit more, but I think combining the short playtime with the focused on making a game that works 100% on consoles, and I'm not saying that as PC Gaming Master Race. This is a great console experience, and it's a lot of fun on PC. It's as I was hoping for a little bit more out of the abilities, like why not make it so that my charge ability, you know, uh, I increase the range dramatically or like, I don't know, put a fire streak behind me or something like make Uh, it a little bit cooler. Well, I mean, actually increasing range, I don't think is a viable thing. And we'll actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this as part of the multiplayer. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Because I mean, the screen is not very big. Like, it's not like you can pull back the camera and see, you know, it's not like World of Warcraft. It's like, okay, I can see for miles and miles. You pretty much can see the area that's directly in front of you. Yeah. And I think uh, we've talked a lot about how great Dungeon Siege is, and I think that the combat's really fun. I think there's a lot of really good things going on in this game. One thing I want to point out before we turn the bend. Sure. (laughs) Two two things, actually, that I think are relevant. One is that this is Obsidian's least glitchy game they've ever made. Um, The production value on this, and I I don't know if it's because of Square Enix or what, but there are glitches, but they're not of the Fallout New Vegas variety or the Alpha Protocol variety. They're, you know, minor animation glitches. Occasionally I'll have a conversation and Reinhardt will turn around and face the other direction and, you know, his lips won't move while he's talking. But gameplay-wise, there are very few glitches in this and it's very polished. The art style is, re- I, I, I mean, for me, I guess that's subject, you know, subjective, but the art style is great. Um, it's colorful. There's a lot to look at. And I, you even said, Rob, when you were mad at the game for being dark, you pointed out, you know, Blizzard has an argument for wanting to make Diablo 3 more colorful. It's more interesting to play. And this game yeah. is really colorful, and I yeah. think, as a result, the areas you go to, you know, sure, it's a forest, it's a cave, you know, it's a city, but it's colorful, and the lighting is good, and, and it, it, it gives you something to look at. 
Yeah, quick quick aside on that too. Uh, I, I know I talked about Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning on the E3 podcast. You know what? That's a game that yeah, it's it's supposed to be kind of fantasy, but everything is bright and colorful and really really defined, and you know it it makes it more interesting. I think Dungeon Siege Three. It, it really goes back and forth. I think some of the forest environments are really brown and really drab and boring. And then you get to the actual dungeons that you siege, which unfortunately there's too few, I think. But that's really where the game's art direction takes over, and it looks really cool. I just think that there's there's really great-looking areas in Dungeon Siege 3, and then there's really boring looking areas like I, around the last third of the game you get to a mountain area and it starts off in this really snowy hilly area and i was immediately thinking of steven because i know he loves you know snow levels and he's sitting there with a <laughs> grin on his face just thinking about skyrim right now but yeah. then, but then you go into this crystal cave and it's one of the most boring environments like it's just a blue crystal cave and i'm like you know what the hell? Like it, it, the game went from looking awesome to just looking boring, and I, the game everything looks so similar that they put this breadcrumb path into the game, just like Fable, and it's almost necessary because you first off you have no overall map, you have no overworld map, you only have the mini map in the corner. You would not be able to find anything in this game without that breadcrumb path. Thank God they put it in because everything looks the same. I, I think that that could have been solved other ways, like even having an arrow on the mini map. Because what what sucked for me, and yeah, maybe it's because I'm I'm the least far into the game because I'm not I'm not on the active reviews. These two guys are, um, and it, you know it shows up with a little circle when you're near an objective, but it didn't show anything on the mini map when it's like, oh yeah, you have an objective in this direction. You can say, I want to track this quest, but what that does is all that does is it brings up the breadcrumb trail for that quest. Yeah, and I mean, it, it works. It definitely works. I just think that the the environments are either awesome or awful. You know, about the breadcrumb trail, I have to say it's not a perfect solution, but I thought about a lot of action RPGs like Fantasy Star Portable, Fantasy Star Online. And even Diablo in some cases. And a lot of times in those games, I just find myself staring at the minimap as I teleport through and never looking at the actual area. And the one benefit, I think, of that breadcrumb trail is that at least you're looking at the level as opposed to the map. Yeah, that's very true, because when I play something on the PC, what I do is I do that minimap overlay that takes up the whole screen. Yeah, Yeah. and you're kind of looking past it. I mean, that's the way you play Diablo, too. Yeah, with I mean, the Diablo huge map. What the areas look like? I just remember the patterns of their area of their rooms and you know how to get to Mephisto to kill him, to get his loot. Right, right. No, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. So, so I think that we've talked a lot about what's great about Dungeon Siege Three, but I think that there's a couple of things that really hinder the experience and really limit its appeal. Yep. And I think that's what we're going to talk about right now. And yep. go ahead. Go ahead, do, you, do you want to lead into it, or do you mind if I do? Or Well, here's the thing. I think that the game has like three or four big problems that I think if the game was just missing at least one of those problems, I'd be okay with to live with it. But it's the culmination of everything together that makes this a very hard game to recommend except for a specific group of people. And I'll start with um, – before we get to multiplayer, I'll, I'll start with the fact that this is a – very short game 
I beat it in 10 hours, and I'm not saying that 10 hours is short for a video game. I, I own lots and lots of games that are like eight, nine hours, and they're fine. But this is a loot game where once you beat it, after about 10 hours, there's no new game plus. It's over. There's no harder difficulty. There's no harder difficulty. I mean, there is, but you can't carry your you right. Can't you can't to the you, next. You can't bring your character into a new game plus. And for me, for a loot game, that's almost a deal breaker right there. It's like, wow, I beat the game. Okay, I have no desire to play through that again. I don't want to play through and earn the same skills, earn the same abilities, get the same loot all over again. Like to me, that's just like a hit you upside the head moment. Like, with Diablo 1 having normal nightmare hell, what was that, back in 1998? Yeah. Like, for them to kind of miss that, that was – that ticked me off a little bit. Now, I don't mean to excuse that because I, I agree completely. I didn't know it didn't have that. But on the other hand, again, they're not attempting to compete with Diablo here. And I still th- – I don't think that excuses it because I still think they should have had the foresight to say, hey, maybe maybe the two people on the couch together would want to play through this game again. And get more loot. Because um, the difficulties, there are different difficulties, but it's not like Diablo where, you know, Act 1 of Nightmare is harder than Act 5 of Normal. It's, you pick your difficulty beginning, when you beat it, that's it. Right. You know, and I, The enemies are always going to be level 1 in level 1 areas. Yeah, usually I really like loot games, and I beat Dungeon Siege 3, and I'll be honest, I have no reason to play that game again. Like, I beat it, and I was like, okay... I'd kind of, I probably would have kept playing if there was a new game plus, but there's not, and so that was kind of like that's like strike one. See, that, and I, Rob and I were talking about this a little bit. Rob sees that as a negative. I don't necessarily. Um, Rob was saying how he likes to go back and play his loot games again. I don't. When I'm done with it, I don't care anymore. Well, and it also uh, exemplified in another game that just came out uh, the same day as Dungeon Siege 3. It's not an RPG, but I have to bring it up. Like Shadows of the Damned is a really funny upgrade-heavy shooter, and then it has no new game plus. And so you don't even earn all the upgrades when you're playing through the game once. It's like, wow, I'd really like to play the game again with my DLC. upgraded weapons. Like, why aren't you letting me do this? DLC. Yeah, and I, yes, there is going to be DLC for Dungeon Siege 3, but we don't know how much content it's going to add to the game. Oh, no, I was I was suggesting that they were going to add New Game Plus as DLC to both of the games. Yeah, they should. I mean, Shadows of the Damned should be needs it. It, it. it needs it. It, it. I have no desire to play that game through again, much as I have no desire to play through Dungeon Siege 3 again. So that's kind of... That's strike one. Strike two comes from the fact that I think Dungeon Siege 3 is a couch co-op multiplayer game. And Which is perfectly fine. But when you try to play this game online, it's bafflingly stupid. Now, like, I think we should point out, Couch Co-op, um, you have one save file. You don't have, it's not like Diablo where you, you, know, you say, all right, I'm going to go play as you know, Jim Bob the Amazon. You say, I'm going to load save five. And save five has the data for all four characters. And when a, another player hits start, you, they can pick whichever character you're not playing as and join in as that character upgraded to, you know, you know, caught up as far as you had it last time. You know, they're leveled to your level. You know, they have all their loot and everything. And it's a shared inventory among all the characters. And you have to stay on one screen, yep. which is great for couch co-op. And I think it's awesome. And I wasn't aware of the limitation that I'm pretty sure you're, gonna, you're about to say. Right. And I'm going to totally agree with Steven. 
having that kind of couch co-op experience is wonderful if you have a significant other, a good buddy, a dorm, you know, you're in a dorm situation. This is a great game to own. Then they take all of those things that Steven just described, the single screen, the uh, you know, characters that only go with with the save file. And now we carry all that over to online co-op. And I just cannot recommend this game if you're even thinking about playing it online co-op. You are still limited to a single screen. You do not – if you are helping out another character, if you go to another character's game, you do not get to keep any experience. You you're do not get to keep – what's that? You're upgrading their character. Not right. Your you're upgrading character. the other person's character. You do not get to keep anything. You do not get to keep experience. You do not get to keep loot. You don't even get to keep achievements. You are an indentured servant to use the Penny Arcade comic. There is no reason for that in 2011 with an online co-op game. That is just bafflingly stupid. Even if they and I, again, I am a proponent of this of the game for the most part and I like the multiplayer, but even if you want to have couch co-op, you cannot add something as ridiculous as it's literally like playing net play. Uh, it, it's just you you can't you told me earlier that I assume that on multiplayer you could leave someone's screen, but you're still hobbled to the single top-down camera as if you're playing on the same screen and you cannot run off of the screen of the other character. It will stretch the camera yep. to both of you on screen as opposed to just you know letting someone run off of the screen and taking advantage of the fact that you're online. Yep, it's a couch co-op experience in an online multiplayer game. And if you plan on playing, you know, say, you know, if you're wondering if you want to buy this game and it sounds pretty good. If you don't want to play it like Diablo, where you just join random games and harass people and steal their stuff and kill bad guys over and over again, or at least that's how I play Diablo, Yeah. Um, don't buy this because that's not this experience. If you have two buddies at school or two buddies at work that you want to play the game through with all the way, then you're, you'll be fine. You can probably get past the, the limitations of the multiplayer, but it is in no way built to be played the way most games are meant to be played online, which is just... Hop online, find somebody, play the game. Right. It's almost anachronistic. It's like this awesome idea of let's bring back – and the game is even being marketed as couch co-op. If you guys have seen the commercials, like they say it's the return of couch co-op, and I think that's really admirable for them to want to do that. But that doesn't justify getting rid of gameplay options and multiplayer systems that have been working for over a decade. Let's put it, the, let's, let's put it this way. The Fantasy Star Online was one of the first console online games on a modem on the Dreamcast, and it had a system that was better implemented than this. Right, for online co-op. And on I just – Which was, what, three generations ago now or two? I don't even remember. Yeah, and I can't honestly justify a person picking this game up if they're looking for an online experience. This is a game that you pick up if you have, as Steven was saying, a designated set or group of friends. Can you only play it two-player, locally multiplayer? I have not tried, but based on how the screen is built, I assume so, because... I think so. I have this room for it. I think locally... I actually have the review guide. Hang on. Yeah, look that up, because if, they, if you can only play two-player co-op couch... Then that doesn't even that makes even less sense because then you have to go out and still get another TV and another system 
it, it's like we're going back to Halo 1, like, oh boy, we got to get four TVs and four Xboxes to play 16-player co-op. Like, it, uh, it, um, If you're doing couch co-op, you're limited to two players. Um, yeah, I just, what the hell? At any point, the second player presses start, and then you pick whichever of the three characters you want to start playing as. And then if you want to stop playing, you just hit leave game. You don't start multiplayer mode. You just start the game and you jump in. Yeah, it's – again, we're, we're talking about how many good things Dungeon Siege 3 does, and then it it just – Very dumb. It completely flubs on this one area. It's like how can you make a game this narrowly focused in terms of multiplayer? Like for $60, I can't justify this game as a purchase unless you're playing it with a designated person or group of friends. Or I by think. yourself. But even by yourself, you run into the other problem that I said, which is once you beat the game, it's like, well... Yeah, well, that's not an issue for me. I can see why Rob doesn't suggest it, but I have no problem with it. Yeah, but I mean, I have no he, desire to play this game again. You're the kind of again. person that likes to just continually play and jack up your characters and do that, then... I, I would still say go buy Torchlight. <laughs> I'd say go buy Torchlight. Whereas if, if, you, if you, know, you just want to play through the game once for the story, you know, and you're cool with that, you can, and you can pretty much see everything in one playthrough, because I think even the leveling system is geared towards one playthrough. Yeah, and we, 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 haven't even talked, we haven't even talked about the dialogue system or some of the moral choices that you make in the game, because all they do is just change the ending ever so slightly. It's very, but, but you it, know what? It, it's admirable for a hack-and-slash game, because otherwise it's, okay, um, yeah, so there's stuff going on. I, I still felt like I, that. I on that. Um, the, the quests are kind of fun. I mean, you know, in Diablo, I'm like, all right, go kill that guy. Got it. All right, I got a book and a skill point. Excellent. Whereas in this, I'm like, oh, you know, there's a story behind this, and I'm interested. There's a ton of lore to read. You know, I did a, I did one mission where it was a haunted mansion, and there's tons of little, you know, journal entries and just lots of context to the area, and there's so much there if you're interested in that kind of context that, you know, it has value to it. It's not... This game isn't meant to be gamed like Diablo is. It's meant to just be played, experienced once, and that's it. I gotta be. And then honest. you get to the end of that dungeon, and you got Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I was gonna say, when does Eddie <laughs> Murphy show? But like, I, I gotta say, I didn't give a crap about the story or the reasons I was going out on missions. Like, I know it is admirable that Obsidian was trying to give me a reason for going and slaying the giant spider demon. But then at the very end, the game got really interesting in terms of story in like the last two hours, but it wasn't enough to salvage the story for me. Like, but it, it's, I mean, it, it, it starts to bring up some really cool things. And then it's like, but at that point you're kind of already tuned out. See, I, I still haven't tuned myself out, but I, I think that it's admirable that it's actually there. Like, I, I know that you're saying that, well, you know, I don't care as much, but you know what? It's still there if you yeah. want it. Yeah, and, and I, I would never say it's a bad thing that it exists. No. And the thing is, it's not half-assed. It is in there, and they didn't just toss it in. It does change the ending a little bit. And, I mean, honestly, who cared about the ending in Diablo? It was a cool cutscene. Yeah, but exactly. You can feel like you're having some impact on things. Like, it, it's a hack and slash. You don't normally have any effect on it. You kill stuff, you get loot, you go through. At least in this... There is that there, and it's not just you know thrown in at the last minute. They really attempted to get you know some context and some story into this. Yep, I and I, I think we've said all there is to say about uh, Dungeon Siege Three. I know uh, we're probably going to post my review and Steven's review at the same time, just because we both had very different experiences with the game. But uh, look for that. Hopefully, Steven will get off his butt and finish the game. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm sorry it's taking so long. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's that's part of what we do at RPG Fan. We got to beat the game before we uh, review it. So make sure we give you the full experience. So the last couple of boss fights in that game are brutal. Just fair warning. Just holy crap. And I love how the game has like this dramatic rising action that's like two hours. You keep thinking you beat the game and you just have another boss and another boss and another boss. Which yeah, that's how it should be. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's cool. how it should be. It's cool. Uh, so we got a couple of minutes. Uh, what, we got like maybe 20 minutes left before we hit an hour. Uh, do we want to rip on Daggerdale a little bit and then Yes. Use? Okay, go ahead and rip on that, <laughs> right. guys. So, so you know how um, we were saying how it's great that uh, Dungeon Seeds had a story, and it does lots of things right? And they even though, those things? Yeah. Um, Daggerdale is what happens when um, you don't do any of those things. Daggerdale is what happens when, and I do not want to say, I don't want to presume that the developers didn't care about Daggerdale. Maybe they really did. But the entirety of Daggerdale, you're playing going, these dudes did not care about this game at all. They just were like, yeah, all right, we have to have loot. Uh, all right, there it is. BT oh, yeah, it's Dungeons Dragons, so that guy's a halfling. I mean, sure, he has cornrows and looks like a complete... Killick. Continue. <laughs> it, it, it's... You know what? I know it's only $15, and I know it's a downloadable game, but so when... What? It's only fifteen dollars. It's a downloadable game, but you know what? Torchlight is fifteen dollars. Yeah, exactly. Dollars. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil is nine dollars, and you know that's a, you know that's different. That's a, it was originally made to be a full game, but the fact like there's no justification for how lazy and glitched and completely broken Daggerdale is, and it, there are things in it that just don't belong, and I don't want to spoil the last anything in case somebody's really interested in the story, which is basically, ooh, mines, ooh, tower, ooh, bad guy with no shirt. And then the last boss shows up out of nowhere. All right, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the entirety of the game takes place basically in a cave. And then there's a tower in the cave. And you climb that tower, and then you're in the dungeon. And then you're at the top of the tower, and I think you're still in a cave, but then a dragon shows up. All right, whatever. Maybe he was chilling in the cave. And then when you think you beat the last boss, the dragon flies away. And then your characters run and jump off of a cliff for no reason and fall. And then it goes black. And then you're in the clouds on the dragon's back doing a God of War style quick time event. That A, is kind of glitched and broken, which makes it infuriating. And B, is ridiculous. Why do I have this? I have this like image in my head it's that family guy joke of like john coming up to me and saying rob why don't you review dagger down i go okay and then it's like five minutes later i look like the dude from the ring just like <laughs> holding the controller just like <laughs> dude you so. know what Dagerdale's core gameplay is kind of entertaining and that's not because of that game it's because a co-op hack and slash is inherently kind of fun as long as it's not 100 broken which Daggerdale is like 90 broken uh yeah no there there are so many bugs in this game um like within the first five minutes of my gameplay there's a cutscene with a dwarf and the dwarves <laughs> are just generic like midgets and they, they, no they, he just goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but and my camera got stuck on this dwarf after his scene was done <laughs> so it came back and i had control of my player but all that I could see was the face of this dwarf, just this neutral dwarf face. And I had to run around until I got the camera to change. 
You say dwarf really funny, John. Dwarf? dwarf? <laughs> well, you part. You hardly put any accent on the W, so it sounds like you're saying dwarf, as in the small little midget guy that made like fishing videos and golf videos back in the 80s and 90s. D-O-R-F, dwarf. <laughs> Everybody Wikipedia dwarf really quick. Dwarf goes fishing. It was kind of like the Rob Schneider of yes. the 90s. Rob Schneider is a stapler. So we're uh, saying that Daggerdale is an awesome game and everybody should pick it up, huh? No, but I just want to point out one last thing. And this is more or less just me ragging on it because I had to play through the damn thing. Um, <laughs> the final fight, I'm a, I, I, I want to be a wizard because I always play wizards. And because the game is super customizable, the only, my only option was to be a midget with cornrows. And <laughs> My midget with cornrows wields a knife and a staff, and I unequip my knife. I mean, I didn't unequip it, but I didn't use it. And as I'm being hurled around on the final boss's head and doing my totally rad God of War style scene like Kratos, just ripping his head off and kicking ass, uh, I wield a staff and magic, and I do one damage with it, but apparently my two-inch knife was enough to pierce the skull of this ancient beast and destroy him. <laughs> like you do. But, yeah. Uh, oh, the, the other thing that, that frustrated me about Daggerdale is this is a Dungeons and Dragons game. You know, Dungeons oh. and Dragons is a very deep game with lots of elements. Now, uh, to be fair, I played, you know, second and third edition. I didn't play fourth. But still, you know what? It was nice. You play games like Neverwinter Nights 2, and it's like, oh, I would like to be a tiefling monk with this kit. And I'm, and, you know, I'm going to be an evil guy. Yeah, and uh, in Daggerdale, it's like, do you want to be a fighter, a thief, a cleric, or a mage? And when you take a quest, it's, do you take my quest, or do you not continue in the story? Uh, uh, so it, it, it's Dungeons & Dragons in name only, and I think that Atari should be ashamed of blowing their lessons <laughs> like that. So, so I'm going to, I'm on Xbox.com right now. Here is a list of games that you should spend your money instead on. Trenched, Magic the Gathering, Duels of the Planeswalkers, okay. Castle Crashers, awesome game. Um, you know, okay. Battlefield 1943, Peggle, Outland, at the X Men arcade game. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Welcome to die. Welcome to die. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and I was in an arcade and I saw that and I went, "Wait, what? Go and fight Magneto and save the mutants." What? <laughs> I also like how Sentinels are apparently six feet tall in that game. And Wolverine but, hunched over is also six feet tall. Well, they're mini Sentinels. I guess. Anyway, uh, there, there, there are better things to spend your dollars on. Lunch. <laughs> Even a lackluster lunch from Taco Bell. I mean, anything. <laughs> All right. That's enough ragging on it. Um, I just wanted to give out a little quick hit because um, we talked a lot about Witcher 2 two podcasts ago. And uh, after Steven so graciously helped me getting a controller to work on my PC, I went back and I played a little bit of Witcher 2 just using a gamepad. That game plays much, much better with a gamepad. Now, it doesn't you know, dramatically change the game, and I didn't feel the need to change my score or anything in review because of it. But if you can, definitely play Witcher 2 with a gamepad. And I think for those that are worried about its translation to the Xbox 360, don't worry about it. It's going to be just fine. It's definitely a complicated control scheme on a pad, but it works very, very well. And since it's more of an action-oriented game to begin with, 
it works better than the mouse and keyboard. So just a little quick hit on that one. If anybody is thinking about the proper way to play Witcher 2, definitely use a game controller on it. Has anybody else beaten Witcher 2 yet? No. no. Do you, do you What's wrong with you guys? My PC can't, it, well, I mean, my PC can run it, but that's it. I, I, I turn the game on. <laughs> and I'm going to cover the 360 version, so. I've been playing Child of Eden instead. Oh, my uh, God. Do you have the Kinect and you're just dancing in front of it? Yes. Is it awesome? I really want to. I really, it, really want video of this. It's res. Oh no, dude. Like, okay, I'm. Oh god, this is going public. I play Dance Central. Like, I already constantly. Have, that I have that video. <laughs> I saw that video. I didn't know what I was watching, but I was just happy. <laughs> like that was when I was still really new to the site, and I was like, oh, John, yeah, that's the. He's important. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the video from my first E3 where I'm playing, like, the iToy? Something like that, yeah, and it was great. Like, I wasn't I wasn't in a, in a mocking way at all. I was like, wow, this is... I was like, that dude's playing that game. <laughs> he he is putting stank on his moves, dang. <laughs> but anyway, I ain't no hollaback girl. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, okay. Shall we talk about news? Can we talk about the, the first news story that created a lot of uh, discussion on the editor's board? Oh, yes. Wait. Which one? And I want the Rob was right t-shirts. No, 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 no. We got, I thought we were going to talk about <sighs> Rob being right, whatever. We, we will be talking about that, too. Okay, so they are looking at extending the Mass Effect series, which we, we, have, we have a pretty significant discussion about this on our staff boards. Rob was indeed right they are extending the series and i have to say i'm incredibly disappointed you know what bioware is a developer that they have done absolutely fantastically creating their own new licenses in recent years and even in years past taking licenses that existed previously and just making them their own them their own yeah, I mean, they made Star Wars cool again. Uh, Origin, you know, Dragon Age, for all that we ragged on Dragon Age 2, and I, I was ultimately disappointed with Dragon Age 2, the oh, world yeah. and the lore was fun. Now, I mean, it, Dragon Age 2, we agreed. Dragon Age 2 was a fun game, but it wasn't, I didn't feel it was as good as Origins, but they created this fun, really unique world with Mass Effect. They've created something really, uh, really grand, really fun. I'm not as down on it as uh, John is. I mean, First off, I, I'm not surprised that they're going to do it, obviously. But as long as they don't suddenly make a new trilogy starring Shepard, which I don't think they will, I think they're literally just going to make another game with a new character, and maybe Shepard will have like a passing cameo. I'm almost okay with that, but I do agree with John that I like new stuff. And I, I brought this example up on the boards, and I think Kim agreed with me on it. I am so I am a huge Assassin's Creed fan. And when I heard that the next game is another game starring Ezio, I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like, do something new with the franchise. You know, they they, they came out with this art book that showed Assassin's Creed in like the Wild West and like feudal Japan. And I'm sitting there going, So you guys have these great ideas. Why aren't you doing this? You're staying with what's safe, with what's working. And I know it's a business. And I don't want people to suddenly sit there and go, Well, EA's making Bioware do Mass Effect four, whatever. You know you know what? I I think a lot of people are saying that, but those people have to realize Mass Effect One uh, did it have the? Did they were they EA Bioware at that point? They no, no. It, no, it was public. It, it was initially published by Microsoft, which is why you can't you know get what? it on PS3. The, the production value in Mass Effect One is not as high. Bioware production value, you know, it was always pretty good, but it was never 
what we saw in Mass Effect 2, and look what they were able to do with the financial backing and you know the the, the muscle of EA. They made, I mean, it just got voted, I think, on IGN or something like the best game of the generation. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty much unanimous that Mass Effect 2 is pretty well loved, and that's what they were able to do with EA backing them. So to say that EA is just destroying them is maybe not true, but EA is certainly, I mean, together they're trying to get more value out of their licenses, and that's ultimately what I think this Mass Effect thing is about. Because I was always a big, I always said I'd love to play another game in that that universe. I don't want to play another Commander Shepard trilogy. But, you know, Turians and that context and that whole, the lore in that universe is really interesting. Yeah. And so a new game in that universe, I, I'm I am not down on it at all. I don't think it should be a new trilogy or a new, you know, oh, snap, the Reapers are back, lol. But, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, I agree. You know, I, I have total faith in Bioware as developers. You know what? I can't think of a single Bioware game that I've played that I didn't think was enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, even but, when they misfire, it's still a good game. Yeah. Like, you know, a bad Bioware game is a good game. Yeah. So I, th- I, I Oh, good. No, no, no. Go ahead, John. I keep trying okay. to cut you off. I, I would still like to see, like, you know what? There are so many untouched, you know, and the, these are still kind of tropes, but you know what? I would like to see a cyberpunk game come out of Bioware or a steampunk game. I think that's what or, we agreed on. We want actually, a. I, I completely agree. That would be completely awesome. That setting is really interesting, and Bioware could do a lot. We, that's what we agreed like, on. <laughs> or they could do like what Rockstar does. Rockstar says, "All right, well, no one's ever made a game in that setting. Let's go make something cool." Yeah, I mean, but then they Bioware suddenly said, "All right, we're going to make a 1920s film noir RPG." How cool would that be? Uh, as long as it played better than LA Noir, I'd be okay with it. Like I, but well, I would make a Western RPG. How many there you go. do you know of? There you go. Your horse can level up. I mean, you, I mean <laughs> come on. There's so yeah. much you can do. Like you know, oh, what's your six shooter skill, or what's your skill in a shoot? In, you know, in a fast draw. I mean, there's so much you can do with that, and Bioware would do it awesomely. Or I would like, you know, even an RPG in, you know, Renaissance. You know, go some of these, the, you know, they, some of these uh, worlds that have been explored in, you know, non RPGs. Go and look at those. I like this. I like steampunk stuff. So and I like cyberpunk. So those are the things that I would like to see most. But you know what? You look at some of the games in Bioware's history, and they take licenses and they just make them perfect. Like if you've ever played the original MDK, it's kind of this generic action game. And then you play MDK two, which was Bioware, and it's like the, it's amazing. Yeah, you've got this dog with six arms, and you know, and the they took. Yeah, and you know they they took this action game and they just made it fantastic. Yeah, you know, I, I think Bioware is going to be very focused in the next couple of years. I mean, with the development of Old Republic, they've already said they're going to make another Dragon well, Age. And the the Old Republic is done. Like, so the, I I don't view Bioware Austin as the same studio as Bioware Edmonton. The, it's it's the same thing where you know you kind of have EA Mythic, which is technically Bioware Virginia. Yeah, but it's, it's mythic, right? It, or whatever. It's are they not EA Mythic anymore? Did they just rename it Mythic? Mythic? I don't know. It's been a couple of years since I've talked to the Mythic folks. I'm not but, actually sure. Like, like it's still the the team that made Dark Age, right? Yeah, like I mean, it's well, I know some of the guys aren't there anymore, but like Mythic is the but Bioware, like the the way that EA has restructured, pretty much if it's an RPG being developed in-house at ea it's under the bioware structure right okay right so which which one is just bioware like 
great. You know, that's that's Bioware Edmonton is the Bioware Canadian hometown. Bio. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I think we're going to get Dragon Age 3, the apology, before we get um, Mass Effect 4. But I, I don't think we should be terrified by this decision just so long as Bioware does something new and different with it. But I, I think that it definitely shows – creating new IP in this day and age is also very, very tough. I mean let's be honest here. Even the new Deus Ex, you could have just called that something different. I mean you could have called that you know Custard Pie Fights with Christopher Walken and – but that cyberpunk type game, you could have just not called it Deus Ex, but putting the IP behind it is what got people interested. So, and for the record, I did make a zero punctuation joke there. I want to make sure that like nobody thinks that the custard pie fights thing was my own. But uh, you don't creating IP in this day and age is so so hard, and so I'm almost sympathetic to you know Activision for pumping out you know Modern Warfare every other year. I'm sympathetic to no, Bioware. No, no, no. Not every other year. Every, every year. Well, Modern Warfare. Careful. I was careful. A Call of Duty oh. game every year, We've but a Modern Warfare lots. every other year. And then one three. Right. But so I I think that as long as Bioware doesn't lose that creative spark, and I don't think this is a sign that they will. I would like to see them do something different. You know, they've got Dragon Age established and they're going to fix it. They got Mass Effect and they're going to expand it. Do something else. I mean, as much as I love Blizzard, I am looking forward to a new IP from Blizzard. As much as I'm looking forward to Diablo 3, and there's a nice little segue into a, a very minor news story, as much as I'm looking forward to it, I would like to see them do something different. So I don't even, I don't even have like a Diablo three story open on the stuff. To oh, discuss. It, it's something very, very minor. Uh, there's a Diablo three kind of art slash lore book that's c- supposed to come out through Amazon in November. And a novel, right? Oh no, you're yeah. That's you the that's the, the it's the, yeah. It's basically showing their release window for Diablo three. I think it's going to be an end of the year title if they manage to get it out. I think it kind of depends on how the beta goes, but. Just a little bit of information. I think we're going to get Diablo 3 sometime late November, early December. That's just that my be prediction. The greatest Christmas present in history, and I love you, Blizzard. Please make that happen. I, I'm all, I think if it does come out in November, I'm stepping away from the Skyrim review because I won't want to play Skyrim. I'll just want to play Diablo 3. So I may be giving that review up for grabs on our editor's boards. If, I really uh, don't want Diablo 3 to come out the same month as... Skyrim and Uncharted 3, because... I hope they don't do that, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. But then the question is, why? Right, I I think Diablo 3 deserves, like, its own month. I mean, I don't know how crazy December is right now, but November is nuts. November December is a poor month to release a game. Really? Why is that? Everybody's already done their Christmas shopping. Ah. Yeah, you, you want to have your game on the shelf come Black Friday. Ah, uh, good point. Good point. Okay, so you think they're gonna try to get it out before Black Friday, or they're gonna hold it well, until January? It, here, here's what's gonna happen. If Bio or not Bioware, if Blizzard doesn't make their uh, a November date for uh, Diablo three, it will come out like in March. You think they'll wait that long? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I disagree. I think if they don't make November, I think it'll come out in January. Why would? Well, see, I don't think they're gonna release it around Mass Effect either. Well, Mass Effect is March. That's true. So I, I think they... My only concern is that I think... I hope all this pressure, like, oh my god, Blizzard finished the game, isn't causing them to rush the game out. 
I don't think it I is. Think historically, they haven't buckled to that, but I mean, they're under. They have to be under some kind of corporate pressure. No, they aren't. Like I, you, you really are you kidding? So? Are, no, I don't. Are you kidding? Activision like owes them big. Like, do you, do you understand how much money World of Warcraft still produces? Well, let's see. What like what seven million people paying at least? No, seven, seven, seven million was a couple years back. They're at like eleven or twelve million. <laughs> Do we? That's when, the, that's when the guy from Blizzard is sitting there going, hmm, it prints money. Can, yeah. I, can I ask a question that's not an RPG question, but it's related to Blizzard? Do we consider StarCraft II to be a flop? No, no. not at all. Because I don't know how well it's sold, and I don't see a lot of people playing it or a lot of people talking about it. I, you are not looking in the right places. Okay, I... maybe no, maybe that's it, but I just don't see – I guess I don't see the rabid. Maybe I was expecting a rabid fan well, community you know, like World of Warcraft, but but it, it, I also think it comes down to StarCraft. StarCraft. I don't think StarCraft was ever like, oh my god, this is the greatest game ever. I spend all day all unless you're in Korea. Right. But <laughs> StarCraft was popular because, or StarCraft had that longevity. It was consistently popular for over a decade. Okay. Okay. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's the. It's kind of like Diablo two. I mean, Diablo two. Everyone loves it. Tons of people have played it, and it's still active now. But you don't hear much about it. I love the fact that Diablo two. Like, if you go back and look at the old reviews for Diablo two, like, it got decent but not great scores. It got like eights and sevens yeah. and that sort of thing. And it's it's aged like a wine because Blizzard is so committed to their products and fixing them you know we're we're still getting patches for starcraft 2 we're going to get patches for diablo 3 for years i mean until there, there was a patch for starcraft 1 like a year ago yeah, yeah they it, still it, patch it, it them like a oh we adjusted this and fixed the glitch i mean it's a huge patch yeah i mean and, and they, that's and they don't just patch they don't just fix things or modify things they add things like the Diablo 2 patches that came out like a year or two ago, I mean, they added like new secret boss fights. They added, you know, at one point when they added the synergy system, which completely changed the way you built characters. Yeah. I mean, and, and they weren't charging a monthly fee at the time. Now they would call that a service and charge a monthly fee for it. Yeah. No, I, I'm so I'm so excited for Diablo 3. I think it's going to be this year, and I think we're going to get a really, really good product, and I'm just every piece of information that comes out, I know – what is it? That NDA goes up like August 2nd. They're having a bunch of fan sites out to Blizzard, and the NDA is up August 2nd. I think we're probably going to have the beta the first or second week of August, and I'm just like, yay. Dude. <laughs> yay. Like, I pity anyone on this podcast that doesn't care about that game. Yeah, because uh, Steven and I are just going to play. John, you're going to care about it. John, you're going to play it. You're going to love it. You will love it. You will Whatever. Love, love it. Are we ready for, like, actual news? All right, let's wrap it up quick. Quick. All right. Sense. Level 5 is working on a Gundam RPG. Level 5 also got, uh, what's his face? Matsuno? Oh, yeah, from, uh. Really? Holy yeah. crap. Best team ever now. Yep. <laughs> Yasumi uh, Matsuno, the guy from Ta Final Fantasy Tactics and 12 and Vagrant Story. Yep. Yep. Basically, all the most interesting settings that Square Enix has ever produced, other than Chrono. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Lego Universe now free to play. Word. Cool. Oh, well, technically, like it's it's a it's the same thing that like World of Warcraft and all those World of Warcraft also free to play now, where you get like up to level whatever, and up to these areas, you're free to play. 
if you want to go any further than that and spend your dollars. I thought about doing the WoW up to level 20, and then I was like, that's a bad idea, Steinman. You don't, <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, and, and Blizzard was also sending out keys. Like, my World of Warcraft account was a launch account. And they were like, oh, hey, would you like a free copy of World of Warcraft? Here. <laughs> they nah, gave me a key. I, it prints money. It does. It really does. Uh, but the, you know what? Uh, the thing is, though, you know, for all, you know, I guess in some circles it's cool to hate WoW because, you know, how popular it is. But the fact of the matter is, just like every other game Blizzard makes, they support the crap out of that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they just the released, what, 4.2? Four has, has, yeah. The amount of money it makes has correspondingly increased the amount of support it gets. Yeah. Which is great. It's like, it's, there's a reason why Blizzard is the number one MMO company right now. Yeah. They support so. their MMO in a way that other developers, honestly, at, until WoW came out, didn't or couldn't. Yep. Well, I, you look at EverQuest, the original EverQuest, where you had, you know, uh, expansion packs every six months for $40. And Blizzard was like, oh, no, guys, look, you paid for the game. You're paying us every month. Here's a pack. Have free. Yeah, have patches with free content in them. Yep, and that and keeps you know, people playing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Because at that point, you know, I don't like the whole entertainment as a service concept, but as an MMO, that's a good model. If you're paying per month, you should be getting more content like that. Yep. Yeah. All right. What else you got for me, John? We got to wrap it up. Uh, Fallout New or Fallout New Vegas Old World Blues is coming out on my birthday, July nineteenth. Happy birthday to John. It's gonna be uh, ten bucks. Nice. Did and Todd Howard also came out and said that they're that they didn't really like the model that they were doing for the Fallout uh, Three DLC. So for Skyrim, they want to make like more expansion pack style things. Yeah, they want beefier stuff. Yeah, but I think the problem with the beefier stuff, it, it's definitely admirable. But then you you want to strike while the iron's hot. So there's two schools of thought: well, either you release it early and and it's a small piece of content. Or you release a massive update later, but then you run the risk of nobody caring. And it's hard to say where it should end up. You know, as long as they release something like every two or three months, which gives them ample time to create content, they're good. But what they can't do is what Obsidian did with Fallout New Vegas, which was release one expansion pack like six months later and then wait another six months. Yeah, that pretty much killed the game. So So, uh, speaking of Todd Howard, uh, Skyrim... Is awesome. Well, if you uh, if you pre-order the game, you will get a premium quality map, which is supposed to be on a cloth-like material. So, that kind of a kickback to all the old games. That reminds me of something I meant to complain about on the E3 podcast. <laughs> I meant I meant to complain about EA trying to destroy Steam with their origin system. I know. Uh, we, uh, we're not even talking about this right now because okay. this will end up going into a 15-minute diatribe. For okay, fine, 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 fine. I will be quiet. Um, NIS in Good. what they do with everything, they are re-releasing Makai Kingdom for PSP. So if you, if, if you like Disgaea and NIS games and you have a PSP, um, well, we don't even know if it's coming out in North America yet. Um, it's going to be on PSP. Yay. Yay. Yay, more wacky antics. Yay. Um, World of Warcraft patch 4.2 is live. Yay, we're just talking about this. Um, Yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. 
Um, we're going to, I'm going to skip that one, hold it for last final fantasy six, AKA final fantasy three, which is what it's listed as is out for the virtual console. It's Christian name, final fantasy three. Yeah. Uh, so if for some reason you don't own that for some other platform, it's now available for your Wii. I think it's available on toaster ovens now. Final fantasy three was its slave name. It doesn't go by that. anymore. (laughs) Kunta. <laughs> wow we just uh, made a roots reference holy crap <laughs> wow um more mmo patches both uh warhammer online and dark age of camelot got patched warhammer's on still the best mmo ever warhammer's on 143 and dark age of camelot is on 1.109 b <laughs> which is not to be confused with 1.109 a yes um Nintendo recently announced that they have no plans to localize Xenoblade, The Last Story, or Pandora's Tower. There's a grassroots movement that's about ready to turn into a full-blown uprising. My only comment on that, I respect that Nintendo is a business and they can't, you know, if they, if they honestly don't think it will succeed or whatever reason they have because they didn't give one, that's fine. But don't say, oh, we, we hear your voice, fans, we hear your voice, then next day be like, lol, Facebook update, screw you guys. Thanks for being our well, well I, I that word. But you know what? Total being completely and totally honest here, I have a feeling that one of the publishers that we are all familiar with as RPG fans has picked up one of these titles but can't say anything at this point. Exceed. I am not going to say anything. Okay. All right, if you can't say anything or have knowledge, that's fine, because I don't, so I can fire shots. No, I I, I, I don't have knowledge, but okay. I respect my contacts in the industry, and I respect the fact that that I think we should shut know, up right now. Would it be disrespectful of me? Because I, I, like I said, I respect your contacts too, though I don't know them. So I don't want to. I don't want to screw anybody. All I'm going to say is, if Xseed picks that up, I already think you people are amazing, but I will love you even more. I just don't want to get anybody in trouble. Yeah, no, I the the. If you follow all the Operation Rainfall stuff on Twitter, you might have caught wind of it. It's There's stuff out there. I have a feeling we're going to see at least one of these games. However, at this point, it is entirely speculation. I do not have any kind of prior knowledge. I don't have any behind-the-scenes, chatty-chatty stuff. This is still all speculation based on what I've seen on Twitter. Xenoblade confirmed by John McCarroll on oh, set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't make me stab you. No, I, I have no behind the scenes information, but Xenoblade. I don't I don't want to see anyone that get in trouble because of, you know, obscure things said on Twitter. John was also telling me the other day that Starcraft Ghost is coming out next year. Yeah, uh Gearbox picked it up. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> did you see that news story where Gearbox was like, yeah, we could have made a Blade Runner, but we wanted to stay in business. I was like, Ouch. <laughs> hey, the, the only game company ever to have made a Blade Runner game no longer in business. Microprose, right? No, uh, Westwood. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was the Westwood guys. All right. So any other news stories? We got to wrap up. That was the the last one I was waiting for was the Operation Rainfall guys. Operation Rainfall. Yep. All right, guys. uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, We have a special podcast that we're kind of organizing right now. Um, 
kind of a look back at an old classic. We've talked about doing it before, so I think that might be the next episode unless something crazy goes on between now and then. So definitely look forward to that. Again, keep talking on the boards. We love uh, talking to you guys and getting input from you guys. I had a wonderful conversation with a guy from Poland about I the Witcher. I love attention. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to talk about the Witcher, to get perspective on it and kind of argue in a civil manner, which is always what message boards are for, and I really like that. I, I think message boards are great when you can sit down and have a difference when of opinion. Good. Hmm? When they're used for good. When they're used for good as opposed to evil. I mean, I would usually use them for evil. I would just hit the renegade option as quickly as possible. <laughs> oh, I do I do have one request of our listeners. If you have any interest in free-to-play MMOs, we are giving away 2,000 keys for Rusty Hearts. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Two thousand. I thought I I thought that was a misprint when I first read that, John. I was like, "What? <laughs> did you, you mean two? <laughs> no, like we we did walk through and we gave away two hundred and fifty keys in less than a day. Um, two thousand is a lot of keys. So try it out, play with your friends. All right. We have more keys than we know what to do with. Well, with that little plug uh, for John, for Stephen, for myself, thanks again for listening. Make sure to keep subscribing to us on iTunes or through the RSS feed and drop us a line if you have any questions. Talk to you all later.